0: Hey everybody. Welcome to Ask Me Anything. Um, I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer. I'm Matt Love. And uh, we have another listener question for you today. This is a question that is just really going to be worth talking about in light of everything that's going on in our country right now, some things that have happened in the Supreme Court. So J.D., can a Christian support abortion? You know, Matt, how I hear that
1: question is, can a Christian consistently support abortion with yeah, support from the Bible or is this an area where Christians can disagree? And my answer to that is going to be no. Let me just clarify what I'm not hearing from that question is: is every person who has ever you know voted pro-choice or said they were pro-choice does that automatically mean that they're not a Christian? That that that's a different question, and that's one where I, I recognize that. Yeah, there's a lot of times Christians can get things wrong and we can make very grievous mistakes. And um, it's not like, you know, I'm not trying to answer what puts somebody outside of of God's grace. I'm just saying, can a a person who confesses Christ and believes the Bible, can they say this is an area we can disagree on or that there's room for us to say, yeah, maybe the Bible supports a pro-choice position? And the answer to that question is, is no. Really, it goes down to this question of what we call the Imago Dei. Um, we believe that that every human being is created in the image of God. And as someone creating the image of God, they are entitled to the rights that go along with that. That's why murder is wrong. It's because um, because you are destroying um, the image of God without due cause. Um, and so when you attack the unborn in the womb, it's a way of attacking God because you are depriving an innocent, you are shedding innocent blood. Um, there's a lot of people who want to you know, respond and they'll say, well, you know, the baby is actually a part of a woman's body. We need to respect her right to privacy and her sovereignty over her body. Uh, listen, I want to be clear, as clear as I can. I agree that the right to privacy over our bodies is precious. And I do not want the government um, intruding, mandating what I should and shouldn't be doing with my, my body. That's not a, a role for the government to play. I, I I greatly cherish and respect that. But 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 here's the thing. The baby is not part of her body. That baby is intimately attached to her body for a period of time. Yes, but it's not part of her body. Uh, there's a guy named Thaddeus Williams um, who, who, who he, the way he says it is this, from the moment of conception, that baby has its own DNA. It's got its own unique genetic code. It's got a unique heart, a unique circulatory system, Um, it's unique brain and and many other things. If you're saying, is it a part of her body? Does that mean that she has two brains, two hearts, four arms and four legs? Well, no, it's a separate person, even though it's intimately attached to her body. Um, Scripture, scripture certainly presents the preborn child as its own person. Um, The psalmist of Psalm 139 says that, that in the womb, God knew me by name as a person. And there I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I was knit together according to the plan of God that He had for me. Um, so what I'm trying to do there is not just you know go to the Bible because I know that that some people don't in our society don't recognize the authority of the Bible. Um, certainly my authority, but even science shows us that it's not really part of our body. Um, some say, well, well, but it's still in my body, therefore I have rights over it. Yeah, but we all know that our our, our rights over our bodies are not absolute. Um, as far as the law is concerned, prostitution is illegal in most states. As an example, I don't know if anywhere in the U.S. you can legally pour drugs into your body just because it's my body. Your rights to your body stop precisely at that place where they begin to affect somebody else's. And that is exactly what's happening to the the preborn is um, somebody's right to their body is terminating the end of their life. And so so now some people respond and say, well, saying life begins at conception as a matter of opinion, you shouldn't force your opinion on others. Well, but again, I'm not in the realm of opinion here. I'm in the realm of biology um, and scripture. Um, Hear me out. This will get in the weeds for just a second, so just hang with me. If you say life begins at birth, when the baby leaves the birth canal and, and it takes its first breath of fresh air, well, I mean, what's the difference in a baby five seconds prior to birth and five seconds after birth? The only difference is location. And honestly, location seems like an arbitrary foundation for personhood. Scientifically, you follow the science. What is the difference in the nature of the baby five seconds before birth and five seconds after? If you say life begins with brain functions, when the babies can experience pain, what 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 some people call sentient uh, or a self-conscious state, that's when you shouldn't take its life. Well, I mean, first that contradicts the position that abortion is a fundamental woman's right through all nine months of pregnancy, just because it's in her womb. But I, I think the the real issue here is, does that mean that when, when I'm not in a sentient state, that I have lost my right to life. If I were to go, uh, Matt, into a temporary coma, that we knew was going to be nine months long, but we knew after nine months that I was going to wake up. Well, you know, could you could you take my life and say he's not sentient? Well, with the preborn, we know that in a matter of months they are going to have that consciousness. So the fact that they're not sentient doesn't deprive them of of, of their right to life. If you say, well, life begins at viability when the baby can live on its own. Well, again, that also seems like a strange and arbitrary criteria for when personhood begins, because I think viability is contingent on, on the advancement of technology. Right? I mean, every year, newer, better technology pushes the length of viability back. Um, if viability determines personhood, that means whether or not somebody is is a is a true person is dependent on how advanced our technology is. And like I said, that just seems arbitrary. It seems that those born in more technologically advanced societies somehow possess greater personhood and more rights than those who are born in poor countries. And that doesn't make sense. Um, plus, I would argue that the more helpless a person is, the more vulnerable, the less viable, in other words, the more we as a society ought to, ought to do everything we can to protect them. Uh, one of the things I, I said recently in a discussion with somebody on this, I was like, you know, even if we're unclear and we're not convinced that personhood begins at conception, and we just say, that's, you know, above my pay grade. I, I I just don't know when it is. Shouldn't you err on the side of life? I mean, if you're hunting in the woods and you hear a rustling in the bushes and you don't know whether it's your friend or a deer, I would say morality and common sense dictate that you not pull the trigger, given the the chance you know, the, the potential risk of murder. I've heard a lot of people recently saying, well, what about poverty? If The kid's going to be born, uh, you know, in poverty and uh, the foster care system is already overloaded. A uh, couple things I would say to this. It, it actually, I bristle when people say, what about, you know, the poverty? And that is something we need to address. But in what other situation do you address poverty by killing people? If homelessness is a problem, and it is. You don't say, well, we could just eliminate the homeless and then we wouldn't have the problem. And it's never you never address a genuine issue like poverty and and unstable families and domestic violence. You don't do that by killing and shedding innocent blood. That's saying, let us do evil that good may come, which scripture directly forbids. And, you know, is never, never a good outcome. When people bring up the, the foster and adoption care system, yes, we need to, especially the church needs to step up. One of the things I've challenged our church to do is to have more families ready for fostering and adoption than there are kids in need. But one thing to note, and just to, to be very practical, you know, of the, I think it's 140,000 kids in the, in the foster care system in the United States, the vast majority of those are like they cannot be adopted because the parents have not relinquish their parental rights. In order to adopt a, a child out of foster care, the parents have to have relinquished the rights. And for the vast majority, it's not true. Plus, and again, just to be really practical, bringing in, adopting into your home um, somebody who's 10, 11 years old, um, 15 years old, even five years old, that that's that comes with a different set of challenges than uh, adopting a baby from birth. And we want to encourage more of the Adopting of the older. But when we're talking about, you know, this supposed influx of babies that come if, if abortion is not allowed there, are, I know in our church, there are more parents waiting for the adoption of a newborn than there are newborns to be adopted. Um, we, the church does need to step up so that there are more families ready for fostering and adoption. But I think that's a little bit of a straw man. But again, i just go back to why would you ever say that the, the problem of poverty or unstable families, we can fix that through, through murder? Um, so all that to say is, is no, I don't see how either a Christian who believes in this concept of the image of God a concept taught in scripture, but demonstrated in science, affirmed in science. Um, I don't see how you can say this is an area where we can disagree. I certainly don't understand the position that says I'm personally pro-life, but um, I'm pro-choice, you know, for other people. Because if you're saying that, then at that point you're saying, I know that it's a baby. I know that it's a baby. That's why I'm pro-life, but I respect your right to. Um, to murder it. I mean, at that point, you're you're acknowledging the one central thing, and that is the baby is a human, and then saying there are reasons that murder is okay. In all of these discussions, one of the things I, I really encourage people is go back to the central issue. The issue is not poverty. The issue is not even rape or incest. The issue is, is the baby a human? Is the baby a human being? And if it is, then are human beings under what circumstances can you deprive a human being of his or her life? And none of the things that pro-abortion people say are a reason to terminate life. I don't think they actually hold up. So I think we have to stand with conviction on both God's word and what the science demonstrates and says that a responsible, consistent ethic is that we support life from the womb to the tomb. And we believe in the rights of all human beings to not only to live, but to flourish and to make uh, to make that make that possible for them and to give our lives so that it, it is possible.
0: All right. JD, one more quick question in this episode, a little bonus mm. bonus action in this episode. Uh, tell us about a little bit about church planning at the summit and what we're doing and how that's going and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, so years ago we came to the conviction that the way to really impact um, the kingdom of God would not be through growing our church like as large as possible, it would be by raising up other leaders to go out and plant other, other churches. It was the power of multiplication. Um, and one of the things you see uh, if you study the New Testament is that's the whole strategy, is raising up other leaders. That is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. All of Jesus's promises about the greatness of the church are not about one leader growing a larger and larger audience, but um, multiple leaders being raised up. And so we said, and began to say, we want to measure our success as a church, earthly speaking, not by Um, Seating capacity, but by sending capacity. We want to devote ourselves to multiplication. Um, More recently, I've been saying that if uh, we want to be the most multiplying church in America, and that don't mean that to be inherently competitive with others, just saying if we want to excel at anything, we want to excel at raising up other other leaders. Um, Watching what God has done with this, Matt has just been Unbelievable. We've planted 59 churches in the United States, um, another, you know, 400 plus overseas. Those are a little different strategy, but these 59 churches that have come out of our church in places like Denver and Miami and Greensboro and Charlotte and um, out in Los Angeles, these churches are, um, I mean, the fruit that is coming from them. I mean, one of the studies that we did a few years ago showed that for every one person we'd sent out of our church, there are 20 new people worshiping in the kingdom. It's one of the greatest things that we do. Um, And so if you're listening and you are a person who wants to be a part of a church plan or like to be a lead planter, um, we would love to have a a chance to have a conversation with you, explore whether or not it's a good fit for what we do here. Um, We find no greater joy Than in helping you discover all the gifts that you have and becoming the leader that God wants you to be. The whole goal here is that we plant churches that plant churches. Uh, In order to facilitate the next step of that, we are trying to raise a million dollars, $1 million, that will help the churches that we've planted um, help them begin to get involved in the planting process. Uh, You know, here at, at Summit Church, we have increasingly year by year, set up a a side part of our budget to fund this. Um, Some of these newer churches, they're just getting started. They're, you know, kind of just just surviving. And we want to be able to say, "You you can plant churches where you are. And this is one way of partnering with them. We'd love you to be a part of helping bring that $1 million goal to reality. I can't think of any greater investment in the kingdom of God, honestly, than helping to um, helping to invest in a church that ultimately will not just reach people, but plan other churches. So reach out, let's have that conversation and, and maybe you can be a part of this uh, vision to plan a thousand churches within our generation. We just put out number 501 and 502. So we got, what 498 more to go and maybe you can be one of those.
0: Yeah, JD, that that's that's awesome. So, uh, you people might not know this, that's my day job is church planning. So, um uh, myself and Clayton Green who I work with, we're working on this goal of raising this money to plant churches. Actually, of the last 14 churches that we have helped um uh, plant through Summit's collaborative cohort and some of the other training we do, I think of that 14, 10 of those are are people that are coming out of churches we've already wow, planted wow. which is awesome and that's just going to be more and more the case and so we want to figure out how to facilitate that.
1: So basically I'm doing this commercial for you.
0: Yes exactly I better, right. I better get a free dinner out of it. Yeah, You'll least. get something. <laughs> Chick-fil-A at the very least. Um, But yeah we're so we're, this is a family of churches that support each other and develop leaders that plant other churches and, and we're just looking for people to partner with us. So um, if you're interested in that or if you're somebody that's wanting to plant or think you're ready to plant and you feel like you need some help to think through that we'd love to talk about that as well. So uh, email me. My email is Matt at summitcollaborative.org and me or Clayton will get back to you and we'd love to talk more about that.